0: Fuel for Warriors, episode 50.
1: Somebody who gets shit done. It's all down to hustle.
0: A sacrifice of their being and way of
1: life. We think of 300, we think of the Spartan. Sort of the courage and conviction to face their challenges in life. Always does the right thing at all costs. Let's welcome
0: Marine Corps veteran Nicholas Molzoff.
1: Um, It's just somebody who essentially runs towards the sounds of the guns.
0: What's going on, everybody? Timothy Lawson here, host for Fuel for Warriors, podcast collaboration between Lawson Entertainment and Lock and Load Java. For those of you that have been following week to week, you know this is episode 50. It is amazing that we've gone through 50 episodes of just really incredible interviews with people like Sue Bird and Tim Kennedy and uh, Matt Brown and uh, who, Jacqueline Carey Sosa, Nick Carnesi. I'm trying to remember them off the top of my head. I know there's a, you know, Matt Eisman from American Ninja Warrior. I, that, you know, their new season's coming out. So uh, it's just so cool to look at the list of people that have been on for Warriors to see that we're at episode 50. The. The hits and the listens keep on increasing. The fan base is growing. It's amazing. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to, to listen. I'm, I've been podcasting for a long time. I know there are a lot of options out there demanding your attention, demanding your time, and it means it truly does mean a lot to me that you take the time to listen to this program. This week, I have Marine Corps veteran Nick Molzoff on the show. Nick's a good friend of mine, and I brought him on, one, because I wanted to have someone that meant a lot to me on episode 50. And one of the Nick Molzoff, definitely a good friend of mine. And with the whole gun conversation going on right now, I wanted to bring on a gun owner, not necessarily a gun expert, not that Nick isn't well versed in, in gun, gun laws and whatnot, but I wanted someone who was a real gun owner, not just a lobbyist or. Uh, whatever to come on and talk about guns and what I think was really interesting about this was some of the assumptions that I made about gun ownership in what we can and can't do as gun owners and how wrong I was and you know you'll hear that in the interview on the guns I'm assuming we can and can't own et cetera, uh, and Nick informing me that uh, you know I've been misinformed so Without further ado, I'm going to let Carl Churchill, founder of Lock and Load Java. If you're a coffee drinker, I'm, you've probably heard me cue the promo to Carl. He says his piece, and we roll into the interview. Maybe you don't think twice about it because you've heard it before, but let me reiterate that Lock and Load Java is a production partner here. They've been with me since day one on Fuel for Warriors. They're an equal contributor in helping me get guests and making sure the show stays up and running. And their coffee is absolutely phenomenal. I have some in my kitchen right now. FuelfulWarriors.com. Be sure you go there, enter promo code FuelfulWarriors, and get 10% off your purchase. Check out the coffee. I'll let Carl say his piece, and then we'll get to my interview with Nick. Enjoy. Hey, Warriors. This is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran, Tim Lawson, as he interviews risk-takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today, and when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockandLowJava.com and use the coupon code FUELFORWARRIORS to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. Alright, Warriors, let's welcome to the show Marine veteran Nicholas Molzoff. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. Not a problem. Nick, you and I have known each other uh, for a while now, since like 2010, I think. Yeah, uh, 2000, yeah,
1: 2010. Maybe Maybe early 2009, or rather late 2009.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, And I brought you on, uh, one, because this is episode 50. And I wanted to have someone significant on episode 15 you're a good friend of mine, and uh, I figured that was fitting. And with the gun talk that's in the world every time there's a tragedy, and it's, it's ever prominent now, I wanted to have someone that I've already had gun discussions with on the show to elaborate more and just to... To, to touch on a lot of the shouting that's going on over social media and touch on those ideas, but without the shouting. Um, so we have to start with the first question, though, that is always, to you, Nick, what does it mean to be a warrior?
1: Well, I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of different definitions people have of being a warrior. They they, they talk about, um you know, like sports stars being warriors uh whether it be basketball or, or football, um, and I think that my definition, if used as sort of like a like a like a Christian sort of parable, like a Jesus parable, if you were to, to apply it in that way, I think it, it, it would apply to them. Um, it's just somebody who essentially runs towards the sounds of the guns. You know, they they, they they don't they don't try to run away from danger. They 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 dedicate themselves towards a goal whatever that goal might be. In my case, it, you know, it's, it's uh, the safety and security of our country. Um, and they don't shy away from it.
0: Do you, do you think that – so one of the things in the veteran community that I get annoyed with is when people try to try to make the statement that all veterans are heroes or, they, you know, they imply that. And I don't know about you, but that really bothers me. Uh, one because I know heroes, <laughs> and I did not do what they did, uh, and that I definitely don't. You know, I can objectively look at my service and be like, I there was no act of heroism there. When looking at uh, a warrior, though, do you think that it is safe and um, do you think it applies to say that all veterans are warriors?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. J- j- just going through boot camp. If if you make it through, well, unless you're pushed through it, I suppose. I you know, I maybe some aren't. Honestly, I I yeah. don't know what's in a person's heart because I've I, you know, there's always that 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 bottom ten percent.
0: Yeah, and I I like the point. If you don't know what's in a person's heart because that's where it comes from, right? That's the that's something that is unique to the warrior ethos. Is Um, while it takes mental courage and tenacity, it really comes from the heart uh, in order to take place.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you know, um, because everybody's met that guy. You know, the (laughs) the guy who's just kind of floating along, not putting forth their best effort, not trying. You, You know, I mean, I went in as a bulk fuel specialist. I pumped gas. The the, ma- the majority. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a glorified uh friggin gas station operator operator, and there were some guys who just were not happy with it. I didn't join. I didn't sign up to be a bulk fuel specialist. I was told I was going to be a um combat engineer, and they told me that it was like basically infantry, but you also blow up bridges. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But instead, they gave, they made me a bulk fuel specialist um for whatever reason. And you know it was disheartening, but I still that was my job, so I, I I I set out to be the best bulk fuel specialist I could be. Um, I like that. And
0: it's funny, it's funny you mentioned combat engineers. I knew I only met one combat engineer, and he was a little, I don't know the right way to put it. Like he was just um, a little crazy. And like, and I was thinking, like, I don't know, like, I, I suppose I would trust you to be able to get the job done. And if you were running, I would be running. <laughs> but it was, it, it's so. Sometimes it's odd to is it? Sometimes it's odd when you meet people and learn their MOS, and you're like, really? That's that's where they put you. <laughs> um, Nick, I want to talk about guns, okay? Because that's what the world's talking about right now, um, and you are. You have uh, interacted with me enough on social media and in real life about this subject um, that I'm confident that we can get through an intelligent conversation about this and hopefully enlighten people. Maybe we can. I'm sure. There, I'm sure some people in the audience will disagree with our points, but but the point of this will be to consider different angles of this subject and to just sort of see where we sit on that. Um, so let's let's start with one of the one of the narratives from the Orlando tragedy in that the first thing that people did, the, the, one of the first things that happened was people started blaming AR-15s when that wasn't even the weapon that was used in the tragedy. It was a Sig Sauer... MCX. MCX. Tell me, what's the difference in those two weapons and why does it matter that it's that the blame is being um, wrongly put on the wrong weapon, like why like I think to some people it seems like semantics, um, but maybe describe the difference between the two weapons and yeah we'll start there
1: it's semantics honestly um, yeah the mcX is a piston driven version of the AR fifteen essentially I mean it will boil down to it i, I don't I I mean I don't prefer the piston driven rifles so I don't look de- I didn't look deeply into it to the MCX. That's not an argument I would make. It's it's just the the the, the pro gun people who you know that's kind of my camp but yeah you know, I, I can be objective. It's the pro gun people standing up on their soapbox and being like no you don't know what you're talking about and trying to trying to shut down the debate before it starts. Which to to a degree I think uh there is a place for that because people are saying, oh, you know, uh, let's ban assault weapons. Well, define assault weapon, and then we can have a discussion.
0: Yeah. Um, so so that leads into another question I had. These are not going to be, the segues between these questions may be horrible, but I'll, I'll try to connect them where <laughs> I can. Um, the Second Amendment, the rights to bear arms. You know, if you really looked at that from the most, if you really looked at that just word for word in a vacuum you would think that anything that could be considered an arm would be a right to bear right but i think there still has to be some practicality there's reasons why like we don't let people have gatling guns on the side of their condo buildings uh maybe we do that's that's an assumption that i made but i guess uh, maybe maybe it is do you know yeah, can i have I mean, a gatling depending, depending on side the of street, my Yeah depending
1: on the state yeah you can do that
0: Holy smokes <laughs> um, I
1: mean, if you can buy a gatling, a gatling gun, which would be outrageously expensive, um, yeah. Because my you can't...
0: fiance is looking at me, shaking her head no, <laughs> before that idea manifests too much in my head. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be. I live in New York. I wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Um What
0: about like, let, let's, you know, give me, give me a huge weapon that is in, like what about a, a grenade launcher, an RPG? You can have those.
1: Can you have yeah, this? you can have them. It's expensive. You have to pay a two hundred dollar tax stamp on each round of ammunition because they're a destructive device.
0: And it's like, and that's but that's not nationwide. Yeah, that's nationwide. Right? That's federal. Is it really? Yeah, they're
1: they're they're considered a destructive device. That's a two hundred dollar tax stamp each round of ammunition
0: holy smokes, we can really F some things up, man. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely, but, you know, it's expensive. I don't have that problem. Yeah. So front.
0: So then, that actually improves my question. I was trying to better define it, uh, but my ignorance on being alone a, a grenade launcher uh, actually helps the question even more. On the right to bear arms, is there a practical line to draw?
1: Bearable arms, arms that you can carry.
0: Okay, so, like, a cannon... Maybe not.
1: Um, I mean, it depends on the size of the cannon. <laughs> Obviously, if I can carry the cannon, it's not that big of a cannon.
0: Well, it's not fair, Molzoff. You can carry a lot of things that most people can't carry. <laughs>
1: That's true. Uh, but...
0: Yeah. Okay, so there, So they're right there. So you think the line in the sand should be bearable. Yeah, you should be able I to mean, bury I mean, yourself. There
1: is a legal argument to be made that strategic-level weapons uh, should be allowed in um, private citizens' hands. Letters of, yep. of Marquis... Uh, back, back, I believe, in the um, Barbary during the Barbary pirate times, um, we wrote letters of marquee which allowed random civilians on vessels to act as essentially legal pirates. They had okay. what 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 at, at the to- at the time would be consi- like like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, random civilians have those, and they just went to the government and said, "Hey, I have this. I'll go," you know fight for our country if if you say it's cool and they say, Oh yeah, here. Here's you here's your letter of marquee. You're allowed to run the flag of the United States government, you know, you and do your thing.
0: Well I, I think what's amazing about this now is uh one clearly the narrative in the media is what it has influenced my perception on what is what I'm legally able to acquire and what I'm not able to acquire, right? Um, with, with my confusion on, uh, the grenade launcher, stuff like that. Let's say someone rolls into a mall, launches a couple grenades from a grenade launcher that he legally purchased, you know, legally owns. Do you think the response will be ban grenade launchers or because it's an isolated incident that we've never really heard of, will, will it be considered an anomaly and, it'll the focus will go right back to assault weapons.
1: Well, I mean, does that make sense? Well, first off, uh, grenade launchers are an NFA item. What the, the, you know the 1934 somebody's going to be pissed off cuz I'm going to say the wrong dates. Like I think it's 1934. Um NFA Act National Firearms Act and uh right. it's a controlled item. In order to get a grenade launcher legally, you need to go through like a year's almost worth of background check and pay a two hundred dollars tax stamp, right? On top of the cost of the grenade launcher. Sure. Um,
0: but let's just say let's say they go through that, right? Like, there is let's say that, let's say that someone goes through that process. If if an incident were to happen with that weapon, would there be immediate call to action on that legislature, or because it's an isolated event, would it be just considered an anomaly and left alone?
1: I mean. I, there would probably be immediate call to action, but I also think that of they course might, I'm
0: just looking for your opinion. Yeah, here. yeah I mean, I, yeah. I think
1: they also might focus on assault weapons again because in the previous assault weapons ban, um, the '94 assault weapons ban, one of the things that were banned was uh attached grenade launchers. Okay. So they're gonna just bring that back up, even though it's probably gonna be a non an unattached grenade launcher that they were shooting.
0: Okay. Um, you said earlier you said we need to be able to define assault weapon. If you had to, uh, to define assault weapon, if someone forced you, look, we need to use this term, define it, how would you define it?
1: I know you don't like that. That's not something that I've even tried to do, so I'm going to have to think about that.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Take a moment to think about it, but if like the government is like, we're hiring you to define this, it's a term we have to use. We have to use this label, but you can define it, and only weapons that fit that definition will be will be labeled as assault weapons.
1: I'm having a hard That's time. Not. I really am. <laughs> 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 Stump
0: Nicholas Moldov. Yeah, well, is amazing.
1: I mean, if you gave me enough time, I could probably think up a definition. My 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 issue is that every definition I come up with in my head Essentially, could be applied to any semi-automatic magazine-fed, right. you know, tactical right. magazine-fed uh, rifle, yeah. um, and that's obviously not an assault weapon, or at least what most people would consider an assault weapon. And that, that, and that—that's that, you know one of my main concerns with people saying, "Oh, and it's assault weapons ban." No, it's it's an, it's a ban on um, individual features that, that uh, cosmetic features that you don't like. And oh, really, I'm I'm legitimately trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard.
0: Uh, well, this is great. So let's. So okay, I think I think that was enough information to move on to the uh and to another question. The the fact that, that too, like every time you attempt to define it, weapons that don't necessarily belong there end up getting included underneath that definition.
1: Well, and and I I mean, I I just want to put in that that I think most people conflate assault weapons with an assault rifle. Yeah. And they they assume that the two are one and the same. Even in the media, they they frequently will say assault rifle when what they mean is the quote unquote assault weapon. Um, And an assault rifle is just a magazine fed semi-automatic rifle, which is capable of select fire and fires an intermediate cartridge.
0: So, again, bad segues into new questions. Um, Every time the gun debate comes up, the the responses on both sides, like, it, it gets so polarized immediately. And I see so many like memes and posts about if you make guns illegal this is going to happen when there's been no serious proposal or legislature that would actually make every firearm illegal whether the I mean there's I'm sure there's plenty of people calling for it but the actual action that that is proposed to take place isn't that far why is that why do you, why do you think that's the response on, they're trying to take our guns away. They're trying to, and do you think that's, do you do you think that's what is responsible for there being no good ideas put on the table?
1: Um, the, I think the the issue that people have is that they're trying to take future guns away. They don't want to do it in our generation. Take a take New York State for instance. With the New York SAFE Act, right after Sandy Hook, um, they outlawed – they took the 94 assault weapons ban, which they they kept on the books in New York, and made it even more restrictive. So – and they made you register any firearms, untransferable, that you didn't want to modify. So I have – you know, I modified mine because I didn't want to register them. And that's legal. But if I, if I had registered them, they would have, when I died, the, the state takes that firearm. I can't mm-hmm. transfer it to my kids or my wife or my friend. It's un- non-transferable. Um, and that, and that, that's the, the direction that people are afraid things are going to go. They don't want to have to register their firearms and make them non-transferable. They don't want to. They, they essentially don't want the supply to dry up for the next generation. That makes sense. Um, so, okay.
0: I was going to. Um, it seems like one of the narratives in the gun control, um, or at least maybe not the narrative, when there seems to be call for gun control. It seems like the, the, the pro-gun side is like, none of that's going to work, so don't do anything, or don't even try it. Is that, is that the right approach? Do you think that's a fair approach to say, we don't, we don't think, we don't believe any of that stuff's actually going to help, so don't try any of it?
1: Um, I think it's not that they don't think it's going to help, it's that they know it's not going to help. Um, okay. But, and that's not to say that there aren't things that could help. The problem is that the anti-gun side keeps proposing the same things that we know won't work. So the pro-gun side has to, in the limelight, propose g- fight those bad ideas. And there are some good ideas, good good ideas in the background, um, that that are that are put forth every once in a while, but they get overshadowed by the by the, yeah. by the big debate in the middle that everybody's looking at yeah um, the,
0: so um, one of the one of the I keep on like interrupting you and bringing new questions I'm, I'm sorry um, the <laughs> the one of the things that I brought up uh, on my personal social media earlier in this week was um, some sort of required training and a lot of some people's response was, you know, this went to prevent it anything, which I think is unfair because I I think that we could, I think that it's, I think that considering a required training, I think that can, can exist outside of, of trying to prevent strategies in just wanting a better, uh, trained and experienced set of citizens that are carrying firearms. Um, you know, you made the point that, Some of the some of the trained and experienced people are the ones also being negligent, which is fair. Um, But even if there's a smaller percentage of the trained that are being negligent, that still increases the amount of people carrying that are experienced and not being negligent. Um, What what are your feelings on? required training for carrying not ne- not purchasing but for carrying if you want if you want to apply for a concealed carry permit you have to take in you know a week course something like that to show that you are proficient with the firearm
1: um i mean, i wouldn't necessarily say it needs to be a week course uh but for for concealed carry absolutely conceal uh I, I'm fine with uh required training to obtain a concealed carry license um I think that that should involve uh a competency test to make sure that you actually can shoot the gun without shooting your foot, or you know, everybody except the person you're trying to shoot at, um, as well as a use of force test. And a lot of states have that. Um, a lot, a lot of states they teach you the law when you're legally allowed to use your firearm in self-defense. What constitutes a, a good, a good legal shoot? and a competency test as well. That's why I don't think it needs to be a week long, because some people come in to get their concealed carry permit already being fairly good shooters, or at least passable shooters. And I think the more important part is making sure that they understand the specific state laws and statutes which allow them to use their firearm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's – so on that, I I was in Chicago, of all places, Um, and I was, I was at this little get together, uh, I was tagging along with a friend that I was staying with We went to this little get together and this man who had, I knew had at least one alcoholic beverage in him was showing his firearm to somebody. Should I be able to report that guy and have his, his, uh, freedom to carry a firearm taken away?
1: What was he carrying currently? Or was he at his home?
0: He was carrying at someone else's home, like he was visiting. He was a guest there. They went into like a back room. He was showing someone his firearm. I don't know. If, I don't know if he had had a drink at that point, but he still had his firearm on him when he when he when I saw him consuming alcoholic beverages.
1: I am okay with uh, state laws which make it illegal to conceal carry while consuming alcohol. Um,
0: so as, there, so are as state, a,
1: there are states that do that, there are states that well, I, and I think there are some states that make it go too far. I, as yeah. you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't drink alcohol. Um, right. if, uh, but there's some states where I can't even go to Applebee's with a firearm because,
0: off. because alcohol is being because, served because, around yeah, you because they
1: serve alcohol. Um, I don't think that's okay. I think it, it should be a matter of whether or not I consume it, right?
0: As, as a citizen standing by though. Should I be able to report that person and have punishments well, if brought on that person? If they're
1: committing a crime, yes, you should be able to support anybody, report anybody who is uh, committing a crime.
0: Yeah. So then that do you think that person should be, lose their, I want to say rights, because everybody hates on the idea of taking away someone's rights, but should that person lose their ability to con- conceal carry again? If Should I be able to prove that they were consuming alcohol with the firearm on them? That's a tough one. Um, yeah.
1: I think maybe a three strike rule would be uh, appropriate.
0: Okay. Um, That's fair.
1: You know, three strikes and you're out.
0: <laughs> is that is that how is that it's interesting how many things that we how many like sports analogies we use in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Even for people who don't like who don't watch sports. I, I don't the sport. like sports at all. Anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, of so Here's the here's the grand question. I know I've asked you a handful of random questions. Um, I think the grand question is: Is there anything gun control or not? Is there some action we as a society and the governing entity can do that would prevent these Sandy Hooks, Orlandos, Paris? I mean, granted, Paris was offshore, but we'll use it as an example. Is there something the governing body of of America can do to at least make these fewer and further between? And I know that because we have, we have instant access to information it it. I think it seems like it's happening more often maybe than it was 10 years ago. I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats, but um, you know, the big question in everybody's mind is, is there something that can happen? And, you know, the community starting to to demand something before they take the wrong action. Do you think there is a right action to be taken?
1: Um, I would be for universal background checks, but not in the way that they're currently done. Now, I mean, mean, first off, I want to say the, the Orlando Shooter or he got a, a, a government background check. He worked for GRS security, yep. or G4S, rather, security, and he, he worked for the DHS, Department of Homeland Security. He got all the background checks. No, no sort of background checks would have stopped him in particular, but I, I would be for um, when you receive your ID, you have to get a background check and psychological evaluation. And anytime anything changes, if you get arrested or you go to the doctor and the doctor thinks, you know, something's different, they take your ID, you have to go get a new one. Um, and on that ID, there'll be a code, kind of like how the limitations for your eyes. There'll be a code on it that anybody can look up and I could use it like for my nanny. You know, I, if I, if I want to get a nanny for my kid, I, I, I say, hey, let me. can I see your ID? I want to check your background. And I look at the the code like limitations. B. Oh, you're a pedophile. No, you can't you can't watch my kid. Right. Um. And and that and that that way, even in private sales, everybody would be able to have um, a legitimate background check on the person that they are selling to. Rather than having to go, and and we could in that time and the time it takes to give that that actual ID. We could do a real background check. The problem, the problem right now is the NICS system is horrible. The National Instant Check System. You know, peop, people aren't reporting. Different municipalities don't report the, the felonies to the to the federal government. It, it's just not a good system. Um, and, I, and I think that being able to take the time, the full time, to actually go through that uh, background check. Before you're issued the ID, would would help you know prevent these people from from getting guns. Obviously, the you know Sandy Hook shooter killed his mom and took the guns. Yeah. Can't do much about that. The Orlando shooter was a DHS certified, not crazy, got guns. Um, and to prevent those, I would say. Uh, people on site with guns. Every t- every time there's there's somebody on site with the gun, whether it be a off-duty a police officer or a civilian, the 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 death toll is in the single digits. Sometimes not even recorded as a mass shooting because it never became a mass shooting. But when it is a mass shooting, it never goes past nine. It, it, you know, it stays in the single digits. Yeah. And 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 you know specifically for schools. Um. One thing that a lot of states do is they have a reserve officer program, and it's like a two-week course. You go in during the summer or whatever, and you you basically learn to be the muscle. You learn, you know, use of force and proper use of firearms and all that. You're not going to be sitting down writing reports and investigating things, but if something happens, you get called up and you get... Teamed with a full-time officer and you guys can do patrols for Manning. And, uh, I would, I would say that if a teacher can become a reserve officer, they should be allowed to, uh, carry in school, concealed. And on top of that, I would put an incentive for that. I would say, you know, if you become a reserve officer and you carry every day, verifiable by the principle of being able to ask you to present your weapon at any point in time, uh, you get a bonus equal to however long the, the the training is, plus an extra half week.
0: So I, I have, uh, I do have one more gun-related question before we wrap up here. Because um, I think that, uh, this is one I had earlier, but got sidetracked with my horrible segues into random questions. <laughs> um, what do you th- in, in the gun control narrative, and in the constant demand for gun control? And we can you can go as far back as you can even remember there being this conversation in your life. What do you think has been the biggest or even the most consistent fallacy from the gun control side?
1: Assault weapons, all the way. Um, one, the the, the, the the take the Mini-14, for example. The Mini-14 configured in one way is completely legal. You throw on a couple of doodads that have no effect on the function of the gun, and it becomes an assault weapon. Um, You know, assault weapons, all rifles, not just assault weapons, all rifles are responsible for fewer deaths than hammers. But, for some reason, we say that these these assault rifles, or assault weapons, quote-unquote, are so bad that the average American is not allowed... Should not be allowed to use them. It's it's less than three hundred per year, but for some reason, this particular thing because it looks scary because it looks like a military rifle, which that's the point. It's you know we're supposed to be able to have the same weapons that the military has. That's the point of the Second Amendment. Uh, I don't want to get on that, but just because it looks that way means that it must be worse than the normal gun.
0: Yeah. I loved the, I'm sure you saw it, the, the report, the journalist that shot an AR for the first time and claimed oh that it gosh. felt like a bazooka and sounded like a cannon and he had PTSD it after bruised he bruised his it.
1: shoulder. Oh, there's. Yeah. Uh, I'll send it to you later. There's a, um,
0: there's a parody of it. It's not a parody. It's a
1: uh, kind of like ask Annie where people write oh, okay. in questions. And uh, one of my favorite authors, Larry Korea, he, he answered all the questions as if he were um uh, whatever his name is, Kunzman was his last name.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or okay. like maybe
1: Kunzman, I don't know how how do you pronounce it. Sure. Uh that's great. And it was just the Prius one. The Prius is a death machine and it frightened the crap <laughs> out of him. <laughs> it's uh it's funny.
0: It's great. So Nick, we've uh, we've talked a lot about guns here. Let's uh, let's wrap up with the the um, the staple final questions. First, what challenges do you are you currently facing personally or professionally, and what are you doing to better overcome them?
1: Um, I mean, right now I have some uh, some physical challenges. i I've I got injured in the Marine Corps, and uh, I need to. I'm I'm doing stretching. I'm trying to get over it. Uh, I just hurt my back again on Monday digging a hole. <laughs> like put me out of commission for like three days just just digging a hole. Something I used to be able to do all day long. Um, and but I got to keep pushing through it. You know, I gotta I gotta stay in shape. I, I gotta try to to increase my flexibility in order to um not die. <laughs> when I need to be, uh, when I need to, to be moving, uh, yeah, and I'm sure that I could push through if the adrenaline's pumping, but as soon as I stop going, it hurts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Nick the, the the title of the podcast is Fuel for Warriors, so we learned about what it means to be a warrior. Now let's find out about your fuel. What is what inspires you?
1: My wife. I like that. That's a yeah, cool. she well, yeah, right? <laughs> uh,
0: you know, she just <laughs> my wife, in case she's listening. <laughs> I don't I don't think she'll,
1: she'll well, maybe if I show it to her she'll listen. Uh, no, but she's just she's so resilient. Um it takes a little while to to get going, but once once she she gets on track, it's uh she overcomes every obstacle that gets thrown at us. She she just trucks along um, no matter what sort of setback she has personally or for us as a team, she always seems to uh, to keep moving and heading towards her goal.
0: That's great. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. It was a real pleasure talking to you and connecting with you. Um, I I love our opportunity as a chat man, and I'm glad that it's nice to finally have a conversation like this with someone in like using voices and not text over social media cuz i think it's it's easy to feel slighted In the in the discussion on on social media, because you're you know you're trying to defend your position, and then you always look at the other side as the opposition. And I think it's easy to sort of and I I get offended, but just be bothered more easily by the other person making points and asking questions. So it's it's nice to have a person to person conversation about this. I,
1: I absolutely agree.
0: Nick, thank you for your time. All right, brother. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Be sure to head over to lockandloadjava.com using promo code FuelForWarriors for a discount on your purchase. Also head over to LawsonEntertainment.com for more of my programming. Stay strong and stay motivated.